Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, good morning. I'm Tom Pipkin. I'm pastor for Family Ministries here at First Press. It is so good to see you. So glad that we are here worshiping together. If perfect attendance in worship was one of your uh, New Year's resolutions for 2019, you all are off to a great start. Batting a thousand, doing well. We'll keep it up. Yeah, it is so good. have, Have any kids gone back to school yet? Are there some back in? Seems like most, there's some still not until like Wednesday or so. What are, what are we doing? What are you doing with our time? Have you put together every puzzle in your household? Played every game? Uh, the weather's been great though, so we've been outside a lot. It is good, uh, good to be here as we start out a new year. Today we are concluding our series that took us all the way through Advent and Christmas, and uh, we've been calling it a time for joy. And uh, today. As we start out this new year, God has one last message for us about how to live in his joy. And so our reading today is in Isaiah, it's Old Testament, in chapter 12. If you want to pull out your Bible or your device and join in with me, and we have it up on the screens as well. Isaiah chapter 12. Let's listen to God's word together. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. We are grateful for God's word. So, have you ever been really thirsty? I mean, have you ever been so thirsty that your body really kind of started to shut down? Has that ever happened to anybody here? Uh, It happened to me this past fall. I was extremely thirsty, thirstier than I've ever been in my life. Yes, and I was with these characters right here. It's about 20 of us who went mountain biking in Moab, the mountain biking mecca of the world. I'm the one in the black shirt. The shirt's a little too tight for me. And uh, we went out. I'm a beginner mountain biker. uh, I've ridden bikes all my life. I mean, it's, it's great stuff, but really mountain biking on tough trails I'd never really done before. So about a month before this trip, I started practicing. I borrowed a bike from a a friend and uh, had done some trails locally and was starting to get the hang of it some. And then we went uh, off to this weekend in Moab, mostly guys from this church, some other friends as well. And uh, 
we, uh, we got there, and our, our notorious leader, uh, he said the first night, you know, he says, I think that, you know, we, I know we're at different levels of skill and experience in this. But I think we could all, all of us, do the Porcupine Rim Trail together. Now, if any of you are familiar with Porcupine Rim Trail or with mountain biking in general, they are graded kind of like ski runs are, okay? So you got your green, you got your blue, and then you have your black diamond, Porcupine Rim is a black diamond mountain biking trail, and it is, it's a beautiful, it's majestic. You're overlooking this huge canyon, couple thousand foot cliff drop off. The trail is not very far from as you go along, uh, and it is great. I was ready. I got up that morning. I was hydrated. I had a whole Gatorade. I had an extra one in my pack. I had a full camel back on my back. I was ready to go. Uh, after this picture was taken, we started up, and it was a immediately an uphill uh, that took us a little while. I was already sweating, breathing kind of hard, uh, but then it got better. Uh, I was going downhill, and you know, I had to get off the bike a few times when it was you know, just too crazy to try to ride over some of these rocks, um, but it was great. It was great fun all morning. There were a couple guys that, that got injured, actually, but I didn't. I was doing great. Here I was. I was, I was probably in the last back third of the group as we were going, but you know, I was holding my own. I was feeling good. Then we had lunch at Lunch Rock, and I was feeling strong. And then after Lunch Rock, there were about three or four pitches of uphill going out, and it was difficult. And not only that, but I started to, my legs started to cramp. And so I drank more water. I had finished off the the Powerade uh, at lunch, and uh, now I was just simply on my uh, camelback water, uh, and that was going fast. And uh, by the time we got up to those and we're going along, not only were my legs cramping, but my whole body became one big cramp. <laughs> Have you ever done? I mean, just completely locked up. Uh, and I had to get off the bike and walk for a while, rode some. My buddy Matt stayed with me. The rest of the guys, you know, they didn't care about me. They just took <laughs> off. They didn't care. No, they knew. We, we made sure that we had buddies with us. And, but Matt and I were in the back, and he was, he was just sort of being very patient with me on that. Uh, so about three quarters of the way through, I, I really, I didn't know. It was getting kind of serious. It was 93 degrees out. It was hot in the desert. Uh, no water. The camelback had emptied out. Matt and I stopped. We prayed, rested for a while. And really about the last, uh, probably about the last four miles of the 23 miles, uh, I walked the bike. And it, I, even though it was dangerous anyway, but if I was to try to get on the bike, I, I couldn't control it because my body was so locked up. Uh, so it was a difficult time. It's the thirstiest I've ever been in my life. Now, obviously, I lived, right? I'm here to tell the tale. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I did realize that I wasn't 17 anymore or 27, or 37, or even 47 years old anymore. But, you know, I try not to tell, you know, to kind of turn every life experience into a great sermon illustration, you know. I I don't do that. I I don't try to make every observation into a spiritual metaphor. But this experience is where my mind went to as I began to spend time with today's scripture reading. Because I had gone from the joy and even the spiritual high of being on this mountain biking trip with a band of brothers in this beautiful place called Moab, and then soon into a mode of suffering and even doubt in an 
increasingly difficult situation. What was God teaching me on that trail? What was he up to? Other than the, giving me a huge dose of humble pie and, and the embarrassment from the other men as they finally saw my sorry figure coming around the corner or the last corner of the, the canyon rim. There was something else going on. You know, because even in the midst of all of this, I knew that this God that I believed in, who saved me from spiritual sin and death, was still doing the work of saving me. Saving me in the midst of my dehydrated and humiliated state out in the desert. I think I'll drink to that. Mm. Water's good. And it's kind of like what going into the new year can be like for us. You can feel like, you know, we've been on this spiritual high, a month-long reminder of how God loves us so much that he came in the form of a human being and this this infant named Jesus. We celebrated that wonderful story in the month of December. And then we move into January. And there's sort of that stark reality you kind of run up against. Now that it's nice and sunny and the, the weather's nice, but, but it can feel kind of cold. It can feel kind of like, oh man, now we're getting back to what could be a daunting year. It could be maybe full of challenges. Today, we might be feeling that old pain or even that twinge of doubt as the seasonal anesthetic of Christmas starts to wear off. But the truth is, is God is just as much present with us in the cold of January as he was in the warmth and in the glow of our Yuletide Christmas celebration. Isn't he? Isn't he still here? Yeah. And I think that that that's at least a part of what Isaiah was getting at in this passage that we read when he talks about drawing water with joy, drawing water from the well of salvation. Jesus is the one who saves us, certainly. But in order to live the life that God offers us means that we need to continue to draw from and to drink. To drink from the well of this new reality that is ours in Christ. So just what was Isaiah trying to tell his listeners He starts out in verse 1 by saying this. He says, in that day. Well, what was he talking about? Here, like in many places of Scripture, especially in the prophets, we find that the word day can mean many things. Certainly this message applied to the day in which these words were first uttered. But it also has deep and lasting meaning for people throughout time and even people in our day. There's no doubt that the people in the day in which Isaiah lived were going through a great time of difficulty. They had been divided as a nation for a long time now. There was the northern kingdom called Israel, and it had been conquered by the Assyrians. There was a southern kingdom called Judah, and it wasn't in very good shape either. And here's Isaiah in the midst of this, and much of Isaiah's message is really about how God was angry with his people. They had been disobedient. I mean, why was he so mad that he would even allow the enemies of Israel to conquer them? He was pretty ticked off. 
He was upset that people were just in an ongoing mode of disobedience. And that was a part of Isaiah's message to the people in his day and certainly a part of God's message to us in our day. Now, before you start running out the door thinking about God being angry with you, listen to this. We already heard it in our reading. Even in the midst of their disobedience, we find God's righteous anger toward his people is replaced with compassion and with comfort. It says, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. If you look back on the earlier chapters of Isaiah, you will find this, that even though God's people were living in very rebellious, very turbulent kind of times, God had a greater plan for their salvation. And that plan would supersede anything that they had ever known or experienced of life or about God. And so back in Isaiah 7, verse 14, and again in chapter 9, we have these beautiful prophecies starting to come forth about this coming of Emmanuel, born of a virgin who would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And certainly that is what we celebrated last month in the coming of of Jesus. And that's something that we need to drink richly of. Isaiah speaks of this new day, a new day when God will not only reign over the people of Israel, but actually over the whole world as he ushers in a new kingdom in the person of Jesus. And so we find in this passage that Isaiah is actually already centuries earlier praising God for the salvation that would come to all people. God's wrath has been turned away. His salvation has come. It is not a time for weeping. It's not a time for fear. No, it is a time for joy. Because God holds his people close. God is trustworthy. The Lord is our stronghold, our sure defense against anything that would try to do us harm. And so what does God's word tell the people of Israel and us then to do? That's right here in verse 3. He says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Hmm. Water. How do you and I do that? As we launch headlong into a, a new year, how do we do that? As we move into a year that maybe for some of us we're looking at, and it could be pretty difficult in in a lot of ways. If you pay attention to the headlines and all the stress and, and disharmony and violence and conflict, not only in this country but around the world, it can certainly be a daunting future that we're looking toward. How do we draw water from the well of salvation? Well, I think the rest of this passage actually tells us how. So we look at verse 4. First of all, God tells us that we are to give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. And so in other words, we need to remember what God has done in the past. That's a part of how we dip into the well of salvation. 
We need to remember that as we start this new year that, you know what? Hey, God has been pretty active in the years that precede 2019. We need to proclaim his name. We need to tell others. And while we're telling those others, remind ourselves about what God has done in the past. So let me ask you this morning, are you struggling? Are you, are you kind of wrestling with maybe something that is staring you right in the face? Maybe there's a big decision that you're needing to make today or, or this week or within the next month. I would say if, if you are troubled by what is in front of you, the best thing to do is to look back. Look back behind you. Look back and remember those times when God showed himself to be trustworthy and reliable. For those who've been following Jesus for a while now, I would encourage you to look back at your own salvation, at your own walk with Jesus. Look back with joy. Look back and dip deeply their bucket down deep into the well that is your life. Hmm. Am I making you thirsty? Because it's a life that's lived with the assurance that God loves you and that he gave himself completely for you. You and I live in a story that is so much bigger than the problems that you or I might face today. So let your joy emanate from the truth about who God is, who God says you are. Remember that you are made in the image of God. Remember what it says in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and and wonderfully made. Remember those childhood songs that we are precious in his sight. Friends, I had imagined that in this room this morning, as we start this new year, there are at least one or two and maybe a whole bunch of folks in this room who really don't believe that about yourself. Maybe you've received a message somewhere in your past. Maybe you're receiving messages even right now in these days that are telling you, you know, you're not worth it. You are really not all that. You are, you don't measure up. And God certainly has lost his patience with you. And friends, if those are the messages and the voice that's going on, that is a lie. Because God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. None of us is as we should be. God loves you. He is for you. You are made in his image. So look back. Look back and remember what God has done. Look back and recall who God says you are. Now there's a second way that we draw water from the wells of our salvation. And that is to sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. So let's sing to the Lord. Now, you all did some awesome singing already in this worship service. But I think this idea of singing to the Lord is not only about looking back to what God's done in the past, but how we engage with God in the present. It's right here. It's right now. How are we singing to the Lord? How do we sing to the Lord not only in the high times, but in the times, in the moments of our greatest need? To sing to the Lord means that that we are really in a constant state of worshiping God. Even in the low times. 
even the times of drought. <laughs> you know, when I was struggling and very parched, and my friend Matt and I were there, and we stopped and we prayed to God that he would help us, well, actually help mostly me. Matt wasn't struggling all that much. But to overcome this obstacle and to get to our destination. And it was, a, it was maybe more of a prayer than a song. We weren't these two grown men singing out there in the desert, although that would have been okay. But we were praying to God, and the idea here is that we told God about it, and we recognized that, you know what, we trusted that he was listening, and so whatever you're going through, let your struggle, let your feelings of, of possibly of hopelessness turn into a song to God. Now, I know that sounds a little funny, but trust me, if your focus can move from your current dilemma to God's utter ability to provide and to rescue and to save, then you are going to come through whatever it is that you're going through. And you're going to be operating with the most powerful resource imaginable. And when you sing to the Lord, when you let it be known that God has not only done glorious things in the past, but can also do glorious things right now in the present moment, then you can, you're going to find that your dryness, your dehydration, you know what? It is no match for the overflowing waters, the deep resources of God. Let me ask you, who made the streams? God did. Who made the lakes? God did. Who made the vast oceans of the world? God did. Nothing can compare to the depth of God's love and God's compassion and care for you. Nothing can dam up that river that God wants you to have running through your life. Nothing. Hmm. Listen to what Isaiah says later in his, this amazing book in chapter 41. Let's pay attention to this. He says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, the Lord will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water so that all may see and know, all may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The wells of salvation, the water of God's gracious presence. Friends, they are bottomless. They are endless. These are the waters that give life. These are the waters that restore vibrancy to a world that is dying of thirst. These are the waters that bring wholeness to those who are overwhelmed by the destruction of the world. The water of forgiveness, the water of liberation of all those things, from all those things that hold you captive the waters of refreshment of your soul that is parched for grace. That's the same water that Jesus is talking about in his conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that conversation? They're at a well. And he says, those who drink of the water I will give them will never be thirsty. 
The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up unto eternal life. The water of salvation that, that flows with the very presence of God has been given to you and it is an endless supply even in your deepest need. And then there's a last way that we draw water from the wells of our salvation and that's this. Shout aloud, sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. You see, here's the thing. The God who was with the people of Israel during Isaiah's time, this God has done great things in the past. This God who will respond to you as you are singing in the present, this God is with you always. Always. He's with you right now. He's with you into the future. He's with you moving into 2019 and the years beyond. The Holy One of Israel is among you. And so when you're facing a tough time, when you're struggling with the prospects of maybe a difficult new year, guess what? God's with you. God is with you in it. God hasn't gone anywhere. Even if you and I wander down the wrong trails that end up leaving us thirsty and dehydrated, God has been with you even in those times with plenty to drink. You know, it's just sometimes we forget about that. We forget that the God of the vast oceans and lakes and rivers of the world is with us. Always. In the Bible, you're going to find plenty of people who went in the wrong direction. You're going to find even giants of the faith who made bad choices and lost their way. There's a multitude of examples of those who bit off more than they could chew or those who wanted to venture on and carry on on their own, going it alone. One of those giants of the faith was David. The boy who was anointed to be king, the man who was blessed by God with success after success, the one that the Bible says is the, is the apple of God's eye, he made a bunch of mistakes along the way. But you know, David never lost touch with the truth about God, that God was with him no matter what. And so we find in some of the most famous words of Scripture, we find David proclaiming that the Holy One of Israel was with him. Let's listen, maybe this morning with fresh ears, to the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty this morning, this first Sunday of this new year? Come to the waters. 
come to the waters of God's grace. Draw deeply from the well of the waters of your salvation. The same God who restored the people of Israel and who restored you in the past and the God is the God who delights in responding to you as you sing out and pray to him and that same God is with you today. And he promises, listen, he promises to be with you every day of this new year and forever. Amen? Amen. Well, I can't think of a better reminder of these truths than the table of our Lord. It's here at this table of Jesus that we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us all. So we remember what God has done in the past. It's here that we sing out to him and we show him our dependence upon him as our Lord and as our Savior. And it is here at this table in these quiet moments as we eat the bread and we drink from this cup that we recognize that the Holy One of Israel is indeed with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.